Blow the horn. Let's go. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus to play football. Everything with an attitude. Got a yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young men can play against and make his ass win. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Hear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to a championship edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, Saban typically gives the team 24 hours to get over a game. What do you think he allows for a third consecutive SEC championship? Well, man, because we don't play till New Year's Eve, he he will probably give them one more day. I can see Saban, you know, he's softened up in his old age, so... I can see him giving them 24 more hours after this uh, after this walloping of a victory. All right. All right. So 48 after a big win. I'll buy that. Um, let's talk offense. What jumps out to you? Man, once again, we're just we're blessed to have a you know an opportunistic defense. Um, special teams uh, decided to uh, jump in with some non-offensive touchdowns, and this would have been a very different game. I mean, we had we had, you know negative yards, but yet we were already up by double digits. Um, you know, we talked about this for a couple weeks now. Um, we are fortunate that we have a quarterback that can go 11 of 20 for 110, 120 yards, whatever it was, and uh, and we still score 54 points. I mean, this is just not football that you and I have seen in our lifetime. And, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of the 92 national championship team when we were in college. And, you know, right, was the reason that, you know, they put the whooping on Miami and take nothing away from the offense. But the the deep, it was just like Auburn, right? We had four turnovers and they, you know, had just gotten a little bit of points. And so we are blessed that this team um, can play really poorly in the first half and it just doesn't affect them. And, uh, you know, thank goodness we're Alabama fans. Right. Now this offense – I mean, would you agree that this offense is a little more prolific than the '92 offense? Oh, sure, but okay. the but 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 in '92 the defense was stifling, and the defense sure, sure, was sure. you know that I, I was comparing more of of the offense just doesn't have to win games, right? Right. I mean, they they just don't have to win games. I mean, we we would have won this game without the offense scoring a touchdown, and that's just that's just weird to think about. Well, it is, and you know, you think about it being a lackluster performance, but, you know, 54 was hung up, right, which is which is a significant number. You know, the offense only had 372 yards, but there were times where that would be a big productive day, right? Only 25 minutes of time of possession, only 58 plays. But, uh, um, you know, and, and again, you alluded to it, it's a third week in a row where there's just been a, a stat that just jumps off the page that just makes you just, you know, want to scratch your scratch your head off. But, you know, at one point, like you said, you know, 16 points and zero yards or negative yards, you know, how do you do that? Well, you know, it's one of those things Alabama does. And, uh, you know, from there we went on to, to score a, a lot more points. Um, you know, who kind of stood out to you uh, on, uh, you know, even if it was lackluster, there was points scored. Uh, who stood out to you on offense? You know, my favorite play of the game was when we brought the jumbo package in with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen yeah. and Brandon Green, and we brought the 1,000 pounds in. And 
I think Saban was pissed off at that point and said, you thug, the way you acted on the previous play, we could have just not tried to score here. But, you know, I truly think in my heart that Saban said right there, I'm about to cram it down your throat. And that was my favorite play, I bet, of the season when he said, okay, we're not going to take a knee here. We're not going to run a fullback dive. We're about to bring in the jumbo package, and we're about to just cram it down your throat. I, I thought that was awesome. I enjoyed yeah. that thoroughly. No, no, no. I, I completely agree. And we've come at offense from different perspectives, you know, throughout throughout the season. But this is without, you know, unequivocally, this is common ground. In a goal-on situation, bring in sort of the jumbo package. And, and we've talked about that. And there's opportunities and situations to do that. And this personnel grouping, I've only seen it a couple of times this season. I think a, a week or so ago. And then when they came in again Saturday, it was just so much fun to see. I mean, it's everyone you would ask for. We've talked about Brandon Green, Brandon Green, Brandon Green, where is he? And running behind Bo, you know, running uh, Bo behind that. But you bring in, you know, Jonathan and Deron Payne uh, with that. And in the block that Deron Payne put on the middle linebacker, I mean, that is, that is just one for the ages, right? I mean, he just ran right through there, un, sort of untouched and just, and just hit the guy so solidly, knocked the guy off his feet, and Deron Payne is just standing there like King Kong. It's just amazing. That was just a joy to watch. And, then, of course, Bo goes in and, and scores a big sort of physical elephant package touchdown virtually un, untouched. Um, that was fun to see. And, you know, the common ground we're going to have in talking about offense is I wish we would have seen that package, you know, six or seven more times. It doesn't even have to be a, a proliferation, but there's, you know, we could we could probably go back and pick out the six or seven, you know, times where that that would have made a difference. That would have been what we should have done in that moment in the game. And uh, I'm just glad we're starting to see it at all. And maybe that's something we'll start to see in the playoffs. And, and you know, we'll have a chance to talk about that as well. But, yeah, that's a fun package to see line up. You know, I will tell you, I'll tell you that in his uh, Thursday night uh, uh, Hey Coach show, you know, there, he's got a longtime listener named Pee Wee from Green yep. Bay, Alabama, who, you know, comes up in person a lot. And other times he'll call in and he asked him a question, I think this last Thursday night before the Florida game of, about, you know, the all the sideline stuff and all the behind the line of scrimmage and all that. And I would love to be a fly on the wall inside Coach Saban's office with Lane Kiffin, just the two of them, and they don't think anybody else is there. And I'd love a video camera, and I'd love to know once and for all where they stand on it. That's all I'm going to say. Because right. so many times in the games at halftime, you hear him say, we got to run the ball more, we got to run the ball more, we got to establish the run, we got to be more physical. And then you see the run in the second half. And so once again, you know, he answered Pee Wee's question and, and basically said, you know, we're tiring them out and we're stretching the field and it opens up the running game in the second half, blah, blah, blah. Well, I just would like to see it sooner. I think you can, I think you sure. can, I think you could open things up sooner. That's all. And so um, I, I'd love to know where he truly stands on it. We never will. Um, you know, he, he says the right things at the right time. He, you know, he knows how to talk to the media and the press. But what we saw when they did run the ball is what I thought we would have seen early, especially with all the injuries. Like, I, you know, the fact that they at one time had lost seven starters on their defense and only had four guys that didn't lose 
playing time um, and several of those guys haven't come back would have been even more reason to, you know, run the ball down their throat, in my opinion. But, yeah, they're know. still – I want to give them credit, though. I mean, they're still a stout defense. It's still kind of what they're known for. Uh, you know, they didn't go, you know, 13-0, and 0, but, you know, at 8-4, and 4, uh, they've they've made, made most of their hay on defense too, right? And so uh, sort of the metrics are different. The levels are different. But, uh, you know, they've had their success with stout defense too. And so I still think, and, you know, and we can kind of pick on our, our – our days, you know, following Gene Stallings, right? He was a run the ball early, run the ball middle, and run the ball late. And we would see, you know, sort of breakout runs. But the first half sometimes would just be painful. And so if I juxtapo- juxtapose, you know, what we're seeing with this sort of approach versus what we saw then, I think I much prefer this. And we're using the weapons that we have, and we have a quarterback that's not always a down-the-field passer. I think he's made some strides. I think he has uh, opportunities for success uh, and looks really good at sometimes. You know, his passes in the end zone the last couple weeks to Garrett Dieter have, have been, you know, spot-on nice. Uh, and so the way that we kind of spread them out with what we're able to do, um, you know, it's not down the field, but we're making the defense uh, the defense cover more ground. And then we come back with the, with the overhand right or the running game. I like that sort of mix and match approach, but uh, you know, I, I think the, I think the offense will only continue to get better as Jalen continues to develop. And and again, I think we both agree a lot of common ground. His poise, what he's demonstrating as a true freshman, uh, is pretty darn impressive. No, I think the poise is there. Uh, I I feel like he's regressed in the past, you know, few games. Um, I, I think he, I think he. I think he's definitely plateaued in the past few games. Uh, I like the fact that I, I think that's a little bit. I think that's a little bit of the defense is like, okay, I, we kind of know what you're going to do, uh, is what I think sure. some of that is. Well, no, and you know the biggest thing that frustrates me. I, I like the fact they only had eight carries. Uh, I was trying to find the actual play sequence to 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 talk about this real quick. Is the biggest thing that is still happening, and it's easily correctable from Lane Kiffin. Is they're giving him the option in the in the uh, red zone uh, to do, um, you know, to do go through his zone read progressions as to whether he wants to keep the ball or not. Yeah, and you know, you clearly when I went back and looked at the tape on TV, uh, you probably saw this as well watching the 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 TV portion. You know, there was a play where he yes. should have handed the ball off to the running back, and the running back would have walked in. And Lane yeah. Kiffin was holding his hands up saying, oh, yeah. I did it, touchdown. And then he sees Jalen call his own number and go outside for no reason. And he's like, oh, no, why are you doing this? And he threw the ball away. And they had to get a stupid field goal. And he did that twice in the first half. So just to be clear, and this is where this is weird territory for us, because you're right, Gene Stallings, we would have been happy to win a game 13-7 to and be like, oh, my gosh, we won 13-7. to What a boring game. So it is weird that we hung 54 points on this team, which is the most they've given up in 20 years, and we still have these things to talk about, right? So there's just the embarrassment of riches, and that's just because of all the talent he has around him, right? Yeah. If he I was think- if, he, if he was a quarterback at Alcorn State, right, he'd be in trouble, right? I don't, sure. No offense, Alcorn State. I don't know what you have, but, you know, let's face it. Calvin really did nothing in this game, and Calvin really was the number one wide receiver in the nation yeah. a couple of years ago. And the boy did nothing in this ball game because he didn't have to. So, I just want to be clear that 
in the red zone, I wish he would just start calling the plays that he wants Jalen to run and don't give him options because give him time to mature. And okay. I think he's calling his number too much in the red zone. And so if the coach sees that as well, then stop giving him the options of what to do and just try calling a couple plays and make him run the plays you call because you're, you're, you're the best offensive coordinator. Everybody says in the country, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Let's run let's run an RPO without the P and the O, right? Right. <laughs> Hand the ball off. In in that situation, he clearly should have handed the ball to, to Jacobs. You know, that would have been a touchdown. Uh you know, I, I completely agree agree with that. You know, I think there there were a couple times where the offense really was uh impressive when the defense stoned uh Florida at the two and the offense comes out and puts together, you know, a ninety-eight yard drive and it covers eight yards and a lot of that on the ground. Uh, you know, and it only burns three minutes, but it just that's just a death knell to Florida. And there was but a that court- shows, right? That shows who the dominant team was right there, right? Yes. Because yes. they just out physical. I'm sorry, man football, they just, you know, they just No, you're right. And there was there was a Florida uh, a Florida play, player, and I'm surprised maybe a player would say this, but a Florida a Florida player said that's when we knew we lost the game. Uh, you know, because they would have scored if they would have scored a touchdown there, it would have made it what a 10 point game or it would have made it'd it a been, close game. Yeah, it'd have been 34 23. So it'd been like 11 points. Yeah. Yeah. And then so you flip it, you flip it the other way. And and then it was 40 16. And, yeah. and then to drive the whole field, you think, oh, if we didn't score, but if at least, you know, we can hold them to a punt or something. But, you know, we're going to stone your offense and then we're going to beat your defense, like literally take them to the woodshed. Uh, it in in the span of you know three and a half minutes, you know, you know we tarred and feathered them right, and there's still a lot of ball left, and that's that's how we were able to run up the the 54 on you know and in fact you know that started three straight possessions at the end of the game where we scored touchdowns and the next play was you know just as emasculating, you know we run 15 plays for 91 yards and take seven and a half minutes uh, off the. Uh, off the uh, off the time off the clock, so that you know those are instances of the offense really doing, you know, call it Tommy Ball, right? It, in those two drives, those were like custom made for you, right? Well, but you know, but yes, and why I think it was Tommy Ball is because they were at the two, right? I mean, just to be fair, is you know you got a freshman quarterback, right? You're not going to drop him back in the end zone against a good Florida defense at the mm-hmm. two yard line. You're not going to take a lot of chances, right? So what's the first play call? We run the ball. Oh, damn. We got nine yards. How'd that happen? Now we're second and one. Damian Harris, 23 yards. Oh, shit. Now we're at the 34-yard line. Two plays, and we've gone 32 yards. Now, here's what I'm going to say, too, because he is a freshman. And Gary Danielson said this on the telecast, which I thought was great. So now you're first and 10 at the 34, and Gary Danielson's like two plays, and you're already at the 34-yard line. Yep. He drops back to pass. And he just goes down a la Peyton Manning to his credit. He doesn't take a hit. He goes down without taking contact. And Gary Danielson's like, he needs to throw the he needs to learn to throw the ball away there. He's like, yeah. first, uh, second and ten would be a lot better than second and nineteen. Yeah. Right. And so, so but but what happened on third and nineteen, okay, at the twenty-five yard line. When he threw the pass to Ardarius Stewart, and Ardarius Stewart ran a great route, okay, he clearly, had he hit him in stride, it would have been a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He The safety, he juked the safety out. 
our Darius Stewart has to stop. He has to go back behind him to catch the ball. The safety catches him. He tackles him. Okay. So, but it was still a 31 yard completion. David, the reason that play worked so well is because it was play action pass. And this right. is Alabama football. And the reason that play went so well is because your running back had just had two carries for 32 yards. <laughs> so no, no. Like, I'm, I, I, that, that's just, you and I have been on different pages, okay, a lot. But this is it, okay? You got a freshman quarterback. You got a powerful running game, okay? Why don't they let him do more play-action pass under center, which will make his life so much easier and will give him confidence with the down-the-field passes? Why? I think think there's a reality, too, that says this all happened in the third and fourth quarters after you've had a chance to wear out uh, the Florida defense. And so I think – I think, again, it's sort of a recipe. This is how it starts to all all kind of fit together. That doesn't mean you can't tire them out, sort of bashing them in the mouth, kind of Gene Stalling style running the ball, but you don't, you know, you give the ball up a lot and you don't, you don't, uh, you know, stretch the field and and you don't do the things that our offense is doing and, and, and you don't score nearly as many points. And so I, Hey, look, I agree. What we did in that stretch in the third and fourth quarters was very, very impressive. I think you couldn't have done that in the first quarter. I think that had to be built upon what we did in the first half. I just want to see a little more play-action pass. I want some of his pass attempts in the game to be a little more play-action. Sure. Because he struggles with the intermediate to deep balls. Sure. And – A.J. McCarron, who didn't have a strong arm, he made his hay on play-action passes down the field. And that's where I think they could get O.J. Howard more involved, too. Yeah, I completely agree. So, I, I completely agree. And, and, and look, I'm, I, I've been thinking this, and I have probably have said it. I'm going to say it again. You know, going into these playoffs, I think, you know, there's almost a month off, right? I think he's going to be a, that much more mature, that much better of a quarterback when we get to the playoffs and I'm not predicting a score. I'm just saying this offense, when it gets, when it gets dialed in and it's not that far off, when this offense gets dialed in, if Saban would let it, it could run up 70 on somebody. I really believe that. I think the biggest thing we might see in the next month is him protecting the football a little more because during the practice weeks, right? There's not a lot of time to work on the fundamental stuff. Sure. I do think the interceptions and the fumbles and the, you know, being careless with the ball, et cetera. I do think we'll see some maturity in that in the next yeah. few weeks. And, well, and, you, and, you ha- and you have to have that when you get to, you know, these, these next couple of ball games. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, zero turnovers this game and the one sort of fumble that, I, and I think it was called a fumble was really a bad snap. Uh, I don't know that I pinned that one fully on Jalen. No, no, no. That was a no. That was a bad snap, and and he did a better job in this game. But you you had just said what he's going to do in the next month. I think that that's where we're going to see the biggest growth. Yes. Hopefully, will be yes. that. Um, uh, but loved Bo. Um, what did you think about? Um, what did you think about? You know, Curvin was back in there at right guard real quick. Um, you know. Um, I think he he had a I think he had a little tougher time with their interior lineman uh, than he did against Auburn, which was surprising. Um, I think he had a little bit of a of a drop off game wise. Um, how did you? What else kind of jumped out at you on offense? 
You know, I, I, I say this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but what's the most dangerous offensive position on the Alabama team? And, and the answer is right guard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Josh Kasher broke his foot in this game, and so that's three guys um, that really, uh, you know, four guys that m- fielding that position, I guess three because uh, Kervin got hurt at, at, left, at left tackle. But, you know, he's played predominantly at the right guard position. So that's three guys. Four people have played the position this season. All of them have, you know, left games injured. Um, three kind of while fielding that position. I, I just think, man, I don't know what it is about that that position. But, uh, you know, hopefully Josh uh, is going to come back. It seems undetermined whether he'll be back for uh, the postseason. Probably not. But, you know, it just depends on – how bad of a deal it is. Hopefully he'll come back because he's kind of been that next guy in line. And, uh, and I don't know kind of what the deal is with, with Lester cotton at this point, but uh, you know, maybe he could come back in if needed. So, but I, but I guess real quick before we flip the field, you know, just to have fun with this for a quick second, I'd be interested to see, you know, who comes out at right guard New Year's Eve. Oh, it'll be curving though. It'll be core. It'll be corn curving. Well, I'm just wondering if there's any opportunity to at least do some experimentation because I, I I do think that um, I do think he was exposed a little bit in this game. Um, you know, at the right guard position, I think the lack of experience showed a little bit. You know, just being fair, and so I just wonder if if we at least have a backup plan um, to you know slide Bozeman down, um, you know, bring in, I don't think we'd slide Bozeman down because I I don't think we would, we'd move him off of center. Um, But I'm just, I'm curious to see if we see, if we see anything else at least experimented with in the next few weeks. Experimented with maybe, you know, Saban likes to treat, you know, whatever the the number of practices you get, you know, coming up to a, a bowl he likes to treat those, uh, treat sort of the first section of those, as as like a second camp. Camp, and it's almost a good. Let's go back and install the offense, and let's go back and do all of sort of the basics, and let's do all of the things that we did back in August. And so, are we going to see headlines that you know when the reporters are there for the first eight minutes of practice, and like, oh look, Lester Cotton is lining up with with the ones, or you know, well I don't know, is that because Kervin had an exam, or is that because you know? Uh, I guess not for this game. It wouldn't in, in December, but I mean, it could be any anything of of nothing. But are are we going to see maybe a little bit of experiment around? Yeah, I, we'll probably see a little bit. And part of that, you know, half of that is you know Saban entertaining himself and and uh, and putting something out in the press for you know Washington to have to think about. So I, will we see it? Yeah, will we see it in the game? I'd say no. Well. Um... You know, you might be right. We might just see Corin Curvin, um, but um, I, I, th- I think given the the depth issues that that they are are that that they are faced with there, uh, I hope we I hope we at least just look at some some backup plans. No, I, th- I mean we definitely will, and and there will be a plan. You know, there's a part of me that says, who else would we put there? And and not to and I don't say that to suggest that we spend a lot of time talking about that, but if right. you look at sort of how it's played out. You know, it was Alphonse. Well, he's not – He, you know, he can't go anymore. It was Cotton. 
he's maybe the only sort of X factor that could come in and maybe get some reps. But, you know, he, he got a little dinged, and Coach was very explicit in saying that he wasn't developing at the position that we wanted to move him back to tackle. So that's kind of where I think he is. And 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 so Corrin, who was the swing tackle, has moved there. So I think that's part of the reason you have to put Cotton back at, at tackle is is you got to have somebody uh, swinging at, at tackle. And and Casher has come in. And so literally we've sort of drained the funnel. I mean, there's other names that we could put there, but then you're just – it becomes just a, an exercise of listing names as opposed to who literally is next, right? Well, I was thinking about Dallas Warmack. Okay. Just, you know, at least to get a look. <clears throat> I mean, I'd love to see Brandon Green because I don't think Brandon Green's being utilized. I mean, Brandon Green's a big physical guy that if you're not pulling him, um, do I think he could line up at guard and, and plow forward? Yes, I do. Um, but for whatever reason, they're not, you know, they're not using, he's not being utilized the way, you know, the way he needs to. No. Um, and I'd like to see him as, is more of a physical tight end and, and more of a, a, you know, a sixth lineman. He, he may have lost enough weight that he's, he, you know, he can play tackle because of his, his feet, but I don't know if he's got the, I don't know if he's got enough sand in his pants. And I say that about a 300 pound guy. Um, you know, to really man the in, you know, sort of the interior guard position. Right. That's, that's, um, it is a different animal. Right. Um, what else jumped out at you on offense? You know, I think I, I like, um, I like what Garrick Dieter is doing. Uh, and I like, I, I like, um, you know, Jalen has had some comfort with our Darius and he seems to have some comfort with uh, Garrick. Uh, with some of the passes in the end zone the last, I would say the last three weeks, uh, there's been some pretty impressive throws. And I think those are things that Hurts can build on uh, because those have been really nice passes. Uh, and 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 I like, you know, Garrett, you know, maybe he came in, a lot of people expecting him to do a lot more simply because of his numbers uh, at Bowling Green. Uh, I've just been impressed with, you know, he continues to go out there and do his job and, and, um, you know, I would I would certainly like to see him have better numbers too, but uh, I'm impressed with the way he continues to work, and uh, he's come on strong the last couple of weeks here with you know three or four touchdowns. Well, I think he could definitely be a third down possession guy for sure. He obviously put up way more numbers than that, you know, before. I think <clears throat> I think the touchdown to him was just you know, once again he should have handed the ball off and he didn't, and he rolled out and and he found Dieter, you know, and Dieter kind of bailed him out, but. Dieter might be one of these guys that just knows how to get open in a small amount sure. of space. But that was a nice pass. Takeaway, you know, maybe he should have had – it was a nice pass. When he rolled it out and, and threw that ball, he threw it on a line. That was a nice ball. No, no. I mean, you know, watching it when they pulled the camera back on, on the TV view and, and you know, safety just left Dieter when he crossed there for some reason and and Dieter was able to, to find a spot and – you know, so, you know, he was able to make a six-yard pass, which is good. Um, but um, definitely, um, I'm glad to see Dieter get the production in the past few weeks that he's gotten uh, because I think he's done lots for this team with his blocking. Sure. And he's, and he's been a little, you know, unsung hero. So, I'm glad he's getting a little pub. No, that's fair. Give me your mini game ball. Man, um, I, I got to give it to Bo Scarborough, um, even though he's probably not mini game ball worthy in our definition, but I don't really care. Um, you know, for the second week in a row, um, you know, he should have got the ball. You know, I'd love for him to have gotten the ball more than he did, but 
You know, I think last week it was like we were staring at similar numbers, like it was like 10 or 11, 12 carries for 90-something yards. And um, when he went around the left end, um, you know, in the third quarter, and he did the stiff arm to the cornerback or the safety, it reminded me of of, of Derrick Henry. I mean, I'm yes. sorry. I mean, I you, did, see, you see why those, you know, you see why there was all that stuff that was probably just too much to him to, you know, live up to. Um, but that was the that was the physicality. I mean, I guess I love just the um I love the three-headed monster. I mean, this is what he did at LSU. This is what Saban did when he ran three running backs at LSU. And I love all three of these guys, you know, who knows what they're saying in the locker room and how unselfish they really are. But on on Saturday, you know, I just love what we're getting from all three of these guys and and Bo just because of what all he started with at the beginning of the season. I'm just glad he's healthy, and I'm glad he's pounding people. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, last year with Derrick Henry, it was like going to like a Brazilian Brazilian steakhouse, right, where it's all-you-can-eat steak, and it's just give me all the steak that you can bring to my plate, and that was Derrick Henry, like, you know, 30 and 40 carries a game, right? And this is more like a balanced uh, sort of surf and turf, a lot of different entrees, right? So we get – a little bit of steak. We get some medallions, you know, with Bo out there. And then we've got a lot of other things that we can do as well. Well, and and let's face it, right? They had to ride Derrick Henry. Sure. Right? Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. Was, no, no, I know. He, he was the horse and they had to ride him. So this is what's ingenious about Saban. Because while I'd like to see him get 20 carries, guess what's going to allow him to, to keep doing what he's doing through the rest of this run? Is only using him 10 to 15 carries. Right. You're right. keeping him very fresh, right? And, and he can, and, and he can be ingenious. that. He can be that. Yeah, it's like we have that. It's just yeah. not who we are, but we have it. Well, let's face it. Today, could he probably carry forty times against LSU and say, "Give me more," and look to the sideline and say, "Coach, come on, come on, come on." No, no, he probably couldn't. Right? He probably would say he could, but I don't think he could today. Not in the game. Not in the heat of the moment. Right. And so this is, you know, this is probably a better, you know, better utilization of him right. for sure. But, 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 you know, maybe next year, right? Maybe he's building up to something like that. Um, who's your mini game ball? Um, I'm, I'm going to sort of twist the rules just a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to be Tommy like, but I'm going to go Derek Gore. Uh, I, I like the fact that, uh, you know, former walk on, I like the fact that he, he scored him a touchdown. And I'm going to borrow from his performance on special teams when uh, when he blocked that kick. Uh, I think Derek Gore is going to be one of the more prolific unsung guys in this game. This walk-on comes on, you know, with two big plays like that. I think that's very nice, and and I just want to give a tip of the cap to Mr. Gore. Well, and especially because you and I both know Saban didn't think he'd score. And my second favorite, <laughs> my second favorite play of the game. After the you know the sure. uh, Jonathan the Allen campaign yeah. was you know getting over fifty on them, yes. I really wanted that very badly. No, that was nice. That was nice. All what right, so let's it? talk about let's talk about defense, man. I I you know you were, we were talking all the pub at the beginning of the of the podcast, and I still think it comes down to Jonathan Allen and Ryan Anderson. Sure, and um you know and 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 Tim Williams and you know. uh what they bring to the table, Reuben Foster as well. I mean, these are just guys other teams don't have. And, um, 
you know, it's just, it's an embarrassment of riches and we're just blessed that all these guys stayed around when they didn't have to. Yeah. You know, I just run out of things to say about this defense. And, and so, you know, what I'm parked on this week is, is this defense is a wood chipper. I mean, whatever you put into it, it's going to just crank it up. And, and, and if you don't, you know, if, if you're not sure that that's a valid, you know, sort of thought, then, you know, try sticking your foot in a wood chipper and see how that works out for you. I just, I just whatever this defense faces, it just, it just chews it up. Well, I will tell you, um, when Marlon Humphrey did not go, yep, um, I, I was I was curious to see how they would handle that, and we did a lot of nickel, and uh, we you know we we had Mika back there with Eddie, we had Tony Brown in there um, uh, with Averett. Um, but I'm sorry, let me back up. Early in the game, we didn't see Levi Wallace very much. Right. It seems like as the game went on. We started seeing him a little bit more. Yes. Which I was surprised. No. Just because of the four and five wides and there was only well, okay. If I'm Florida and I'm McElwain, um, I'm thinking I'm gonna go pick on this guy a little more. And I guess what I'm trying to say is between him and Nussmeyer, I only saw one time that they like threw at Wallace. And the guy like caught like a five yard pass, and it was a low ball, and he fell to the ground. I don't think they really tried to exploit that. I was surprised no, by that. Well, no, not not a whole lot. They they didn't. But you know, here's my deal with with Humphrey being out, and and we've talked about this. We've talked about the coaching the coaching staff uh, over coaching the situation. Remember, we talked about uh, uh, who who is a team. We talked about Arkansas. Being in a yeah, being in a run formation when you should have just been in your nickel. Yep, yep. Yeah. we should have we should have fallen back to, to nickel. And there was another opponent where we did the almost the exact opposite. We ended up playing a lot of dime based on their reputation, but we should have should have you know come back and and played more in the nickel. Well, this is almost this is similar but different. I think we outcoached ourselves. We outthought ourselves when when Humphrey couldn't go. Instead of next man up, let's let's leave everyone else alone, but put. Wallace in who has subbed for Marlin. He has come in, you know, with the starters, with the ones, and he has subbed for Marlin and he's played well. Instead of doing that, we shuffled the defense and we moved Minka Fitz, Fitzpatrick over. And so we had Minka opposite Averett. And then we brought in, you know, Hootie and we just brought uh, Hootie in as part of the nickel. To, right. Yeah. To, to, to play in the safety position. Right. And, and, and on paper, you wouldn't have expected this to happen. But now that's Minka's third position to play. And he's really not played a whole lot of true corner throughout his career at, at Alabama. He's done it some, but not a whole lot. And so under live fire, with no week of practice, much less two weeks of practice when he had to get ready for uh, L- LSU at the, at the safety position, right? So with no sort of br- – practice or very limited practice, you know, he's out at that position and Florida goes to work on him and he actually gets beat a couple of times times, early, even even for the touchdown. Right. And, and, and it's not that he's a bad player. He's just, his technique isn't. Yeah. But see, but see, see, to your point there, you could have just had him at the safety given help over the top to a Levi Wallace. Right. And just given support shade, shade the support that way. Hey, look, we're a little bit concerned about, you know, 
while I mean, we like Wallace. We're a little concerned about him sort of carrying the mail for the entire game. Then shade coverage. Don't sit him down because when you sit him down, you disrupt. You disrupt everything. And we also you also affect his confidence too. Yes, he's like he's expecting to go in, and he didn't go in, and he's like, "Why are y'all juggling things like this?" Right. But when we put Minka back, and it's not his original position because we didn't move him back to you know to star, but we moved him back to 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 safety where he's been playing the last couple of weeks, playing well. Uh, And we did bring in Wallace. The defense kind of settled down, and part of that is Florida loaded everything out of their gates, like every sort of thing that we can draw up that we think that we can beat them with. This is it. And they drive and score a touchdown. They did everything on the first drive, and 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 you're right because there were you know right there every all fans just need to be like, hey, this team you know they average scoring ten to thirteen points a game. It's okay, <laughs> right, right, and, yeah. And so and and look, Michael Wayne's a good coach, and Nuss Myers. I mean, they have good coaches, and he coached at Alabama, so it's like they yeah. probably worked on those first fifteen scripted plays for a long time. Yeah, and so he knows what's going to happen. There's a little bit of understanding of. Of of the personnel, and even though they haven't been there in in you know a couple of years, they know they have a concept of the scheme, and and when they see players move like that, they know that this is Minka's third position that he's played this season, and he and and he really has never been a true corner. He has corner abilities, but he's never been a true corner at Alabama, and they've got him out there playing corner. We're going to go after that, and well, and you know what's frustrating about it is. You know, granted, we still killed them, and so you know sure, we don't want to sure. be greedy. But it was a third and six at the twenty-nine when Callaway got a twenty-four yarder to the five-yard yep. line, and the very next play they went at him again. And so, to your point, maybe they don't get a touchdown there, right? If you didn't mm-hmm. have him where he was on third and six, so on two plays in a row, you know, when they needed it to happen, they they went after Minka. Yeah, I just think that's an example. And that's not to say they wouldn't have gone after Wallace. Uh, I just think there's a certain, you know, cornerback is a lot of skill and it's a lot of technique too. And, you know, given a couple of weeks, Minka will be one of the best corners, you know, next year he probably probably plays corner and he's going to be one of the best corners in the league. So I'm not mad at the guy at all. I'm just saying there's, there's a big shift in technique, you know, from safety to corner and, I just think I, I just think those movements kind of caught up with them. I think if Levi had been there, they probably would have gone after him too. And I'm not going to say they wouldn't have had success. I just think there's a greater likelihood of of Levi being able to handle that because he's practiced all season at the corner position, and there's something to it. And if someone wants to argue that Minka's a better player than Levi, that's not what I'm saying. There's I'm taking it another level. It's the preparation and the technique that's involved in the position. And Minka just has been away from that long enough that it, it took him, you know, it's better to put the guy in who's, who's been practicing at that position than it is to try to put someone else there. No, that's true. Um, I'll tell you when Ronnie Harrison went down early in the game. Yes. You know, we, we talked about how he has, what he has meant to the team with his, you know, with, with his range and what he's been able to do, you know, what he's picked up his game in Eddie Jackson's absence. When he went down, um, that really exposed, you know, a big weakness. And so losing Humphrey, not being able to go was a huge loss as well. But if Ronnie, 
Ronnie's got to stay healthy because yeah. if they lose Ronnie, um, I think they're in trouble. And you know, against you know, depending on depending on the you know depending on the well, they'll still have the pass rush, which obviously you know has helped them this big time this year, being able to get to the quarterback with four Ronnie's guys, which is a blessing. Ronnie's an X factor in the defense. He's I mean, he's he's. Uh, if Eddie was the X factor, Ronnie's the Y factor. Well, and I didn't fine. think, and I didn't think that a few weeks ago. No, but that's becoming more and more apparent. More and more apparent, and and if we go back and sort of track, not that we talk about him every week, but if we sort of track our instances of referencing him, um, you know, we we have spent some time with him the second half of the season, and and you know, I think we did at the sort of second sort of third of last season as well. He's a kid, and we've said this before, he gets better every week. And and he, you know, if Eddie's not on the field, and so now sort of the 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 X factor in the defense, I think, is, is Harrison and what he's able to do and the different looks he's able to give. Um, look, I was saving this, but we're talking about him now. There was a play. Uh, I went back and looked at some of the – some of the, there was a play when it happened, and Danielson talked about it and looked at the replay, and I looked at it a couple times. And I went back and I was looking at some of the – uh, some of the play-by-play. Uh, play. Um, there were a couple times that Ronnie in the safety position, they sort of attacked him, if you will, with uh, with a screen, with a wide receiver screen. And and he was able to make the play four, five, six yards, right? They There was a play in the second quarter, I want to say second quarter, where they set up, they set up for a screen <clears> – <throat> And so that was, you know, Ronnie kind of shaded in, in that direction. And they ended up throwing a slant over the middle. Well, who broke up that pass? Ronnie Harrison. And if Ronnie Harrison had not broken up that pass, Tommy, that would have been a touchdown. It would have been one of those big, sloppy, how in the world did that guy get open touchdowns? And it was one of those plays where we're going to work the screen, we're going to work the screen, we're going to work the screen, we're going to draw up Harrison, and we're going to run a slant off of that and it's going to be wide open. And the only reason it wasn't wide open is because Ronnie Harrison is one of the best safeties in the country. That's all I got. Well, that is true. And I remember the play you're talking about. And I will tell you when Sean Dion Hamilton went out as well. Yep. While he's not in there in the dime look, because they've been keeping Reuben Foster in there because he's, you know, more agile now with what he did in the sure. offseason. Because of that base nickel that they run so much, um, he, you know, he was continuing to progress. And as soon as he went down, yep, they went after Rashawn Evans. They sure did. And that touchdown was totally on Rashawn Evans. You know, it, he looked back at Ronnie, but I'm sorry, it was totally Rashawn Evans. No, and, and Evans looked back like, who's who's my kind of help over top? And and look, I'm going to tell you, if you can get – nothing. And real quick, I'm sorry, nothing against Rashawn Evans. He's, he's made great plays for us. But just like you talked about with Minka – he quickly had to get thrown in, you know, to a situation sure. that I don't think he was comfortable with. No, and I I agree. And I'll look. I'm not sure I like any of our linebackers in coverage, uh, you know. And 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 so I'm not saying, you know, Hamilton would have done a whole lot better. I think he would have he would have been closer to the receiver as opposed to just assuming that there's help over the top. And so. You know, you only have to be a couple steps better to make it a tighter window to throw and maybe get a hand up. And so you don't have to be that much of a difference. And and I think 
you know, Evans is probably the fastest linebacker we have. If there's anyone that can sort of be coached up to, to be a coverage linebacker, I give it to Evans, but it's his familiarity. Again, it's not the skill set of the individual. It's their familiarity with the system and, and the technique necessary at that given moment. I have no doubt that if you were to line them up and, and, and run coverage drills that Rashawn Evans is going to be better than Hamilton in, the, in those drills. But in that moment in the game, Hamilton would have known where to be. And that was all, that's all the difference that would have been needed on that play. No, absolutely. And, you know, he's learning a new position as well, right? I mean, he, I, you know, coming in when the second string comes in is much easier than coming in, you yes. know, yes. With, the, with the ones. Right. And, and so, you know, losing Sean for, for the season, you know, which I hate it for Sean because he was definitely making some good plays and was, was you know, yes. continuing to progress – I'm glad we have a few weeks to work on that yes. um, because, you know, our base is our nickel and, you know, Rashawn's going to have to be on the field a lot more. Thank goodness we're not going to need him rushing the passer. And so he probably has lost his third down. We're fortunate this team has so many players, but here's another example. We had the luxury of bringing Rashawn Evans in on third and 10, just go get the quarterback. Well, now he's got to play a lot more because – he's going to be in our base. And so we're going to run our base and he's not going to be able to be a rusher on third down, which once again, puts pressure on our depth at the off at the defensive line, which goes back to Tal uh, Tomlinson, Jonathan Allen and Ryan Anderson and Deron Payne specifically, those yeah. four guys being iron men, you know, it is just huge for this defense this season. Yeah. And, you know, and we've talked a lot about the last few weeks about Sean Dion Hamilton. And so, you know, he had a big play, a big interception, uh, and, and his loss, I think, you know, we're going to feel that at the same time, because we do have to roll forward, you know, <laughs> we're not picking on Rashawn Evans, right? I mean, you know, there's not many teams and we've kidded about this. There's not many teams that can literally roll out another five-star player at the, at the position. And so having a couple of weeks to get him ready, I think is 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 kind of like when we had a, a week to an extra week to move Minka over and get him ready to to replace Eddie and then get Tony Brown ready to come in and replace. And so, you know, having that extra time to get Evans ready, I think is is critical. And when you talked about at the offensive line, are we gonna see some experimenting? We might see some experimenting here because, you know, the role that Evans played, I don't think I don't think we want to completely forego that. Uh and so do we bring him in is in a replacement for Evans, but or for Hamilton, but then do some sort of rotation there so he can still spend, you know, some percent of time back at sort of his day job because he was effective there too. Well, we saw Terrell Hall much earlier as a result of this. Yes. And so I think Ter Terrell Hall is going to step into those shoes of yeah, that role that Rashawn so. Evans was potentially doing. so, and we saw uh, we saw Jennings early too. Yes, uh, and so uh, it it will be interesting because you're right; those two guys can maybe backfill what Evans has been doing, and so and and maybe that becomes maybe that's the thought, right? There's no one that can step in for Hamilton like Evans, but with the Terrell and a Jennings, they can step in for Evans doing what he was doing. 
and there's less of a drop there than moving someone else in for Hamilton. No, absolutely. So well, who's you, your, uh, who's your mini game ball? Oh, I've given my mini game ball away already. Uh, it's Ronnie Harrison. All right. Uh, it, you know, for all the, the things we talk about, uh, just, I mean, I love his play. He got dinged up and just, I mean, I lost my breath because I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Eddie's gone. Marlon's gone. If, if Harrison's gone, then I don't, I can't even process how quickly, you know, very quickly, like, what is that going to mean? And, and do we play a lot less, you know, do we end up playing a lot more base? And so all of that was sort of racing through my mind. I'm glad that he came back and played, saved the touchdown, you know, later, uh, Ronnie Harrison, man, he's my mini game ball. I'm going to, um, I'm going to leave, uh, I'm, I'm going to leave you, uh, stunned here at my mini game ball, um, in the, in the spirit um, of the mini game ball, uh, I'm going to give it to uh, Josh Frazier. Okay. And so early in this game, we saw, you know, the offense wasn't getting the ball. They had only had two, three and outs. And because of the defensive plays and the special teams plays, the defense had to keep coming back out there. And so because of that, you saw Deshaun Hand early and you saw Josh Frazier early, early in this game, early. much earlier than they normally play. And Josh Frazier had a few times where he held up at the point of attack and and was able to shed his his blocker and and get in on the play. And so, you know, just kudos to him because his his number got called earlier, and uh, you know he he stepped up and made a few plays. And the other mini game ball that I just want to throw in because I like talking about it is there was one play in the game, and I can't remember exactly where. There was a missed tackle, or not a missed tackle, but the running back got off the first tackle, mm-hmm. and then six guys yes hit him at the same time, like a yard later. And dude, that's just Alabama football. You just don't see that on other teams. I'm sorry, when yeah. you're watching other football games, you don't see that crap. I mean, that guy had to be getting up saying, "I just got hit by six damn guys at the same time." <laughs> teach me to that? teach me to break a tackle. And it was guys at each level, Dave. Right, right. It was there was a couple of defensive linemen thrown in there, and a couple of linebackers, and a couple of safeties or cornerbacks. I mean, I know, yes, it's you know, it's just called game tackling, but you just don't see that. I'm you sorry, you don't see it with the ferociousness. Uh, you know that that Alabama, it's 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 a one track. You know, everyone is is attacking the ball, and. There is something too, and we can sort of kid about it that you know the next guy is just going to go down with the first tackle because he doesn't want to get, you know, sort of that onslaught. But and as funny as that may sound, over the course of the game, there's something to it, man. And especially as the game starts to turn and the players start to lose their spirit and they start to get tired, and they say, "Geez, man, I I don't want to do this." <laughs> and and you know, if anyone's going to say that doesn't happen, they're not paying attention because that happens. And I just think I just think that defense can really wear on opponents mentally and physically. No, absolutely. Well, one other thing I do want to mention very quickly is, um, you know, very glad that Anthony Averett stayed around and uh, yes. didn't didn't transfer like these other DBs. What what do you think these other DBs are thinking right now, man? With with uh, with this uh, mash unit in our secondary. You know, yeah, I don't, you know, it's it's interesting. You think about um, you think about a Kendall Sheffield, right? 
And uh, you think about, you know, Mo Smith is certainly certainly a guy. Now, Mo has had some opportunity at, at Georgia, and Sheffield is playing, you know, at some, you know, community college. But, you but know, what would Sheffield, yeah, but what, yeah, specifically, what do you think Sheffield's thinking right now? You know, it's like, man, I, you know, I, I don't know what he's ever been thinking. If, you know, I, I don't know, right? Because you think over the course of the, the season he would have continued to progress and continued to learn and, and would have had clearly in my mind would have had opportunities uh, in, in this offense or I'm sorry, in this defense. And I'll say the same thing about Mo. I mean, Mo, Mo probably got a starting job at, at, at Georgia. And so I don't know that he gets that at Alabama, but, uh, and so, you know, he may still be comfortable with his decision, but he's a guy that certainly would have contributed as well. So I, you know, both of those guys, uh, as far deep as we've gone in into the secondary, it's amazing to think that we could have actually had those guys on the team as well. And you think, man, that would have been that would have been quite something. No, absolutely, man. Well, let's let's. Um... Hey, I just want to say this about Frazier because I was just about to mention him before you took us to mini game ball. Okay, uh, and so you you saw my notes or something, but there was a point. You know, you said that he played early and he played often. Tommy, there was a point where he was in the game and it was so early in the game. That my first thought was, what happened to Deron? It wasn't like, oh, we're rotating. It it wasn't just like, oh, we're rotating. It was so early in the game that rotation didn't even come into my mind. It was so early in the game. I was like, what's wrong with Deron? And and so that's funny. So you know, the fact that he was getting that rotation, I I want to see more and more of that, and I want to see him sort of live into it and develop into it. But uh, but yeah, that's going to be uh, that that. That still is going to be an interesting development as you know, as the, as the you know the playoffs kind of take shape. Uh, let's uh, let's move to special teams. What did you see there? I was surprised Adam Griffith stayed in the game. Me too. As long as he did, what's up with that? I mean, you know, he clearly was you know laboring there. Um, I'm just surprised with the score being what it was. You know, he he didn't stop taking kickoffs until much later in the game, and um, you know, just just seemed like he was out there. In unnecessary situations, I was definitely surprised by that. There were a couple of weeks ago where it seemed that uh, I guess it was a Chattanooga game uh, where he was he seemed unnecessarily replaced uh, by the Adam Papanatos, um, and I probably butchered that, but uh, uh, he seemed unnecessarily replaced in those games. In, in that game at that time for both the kickoff and and uh, a PAT and a field goal I think and and so in this game where clearly he he had you know gone down and you know was injured and then just seemed to really almost and Danielson was calling this out he seemed to almost sort of have a negative mindset right and and there was a point where I thought we need to get him out. We need to get him out, uh, rather than just you know kind of leave him in there. And I mean, you know, sort of net net, you know, he kind of put up an okay day. I mean, you know, he he missed a long field goal and hit two others, and that's kind of what we've seen. Um, there's a part of me that that, and I hate to say I wish that we had taken him out, but there's a part of me that wonders maybe should we have taken him out. Um, that's kind of where I sit on that one. I just don't know why he was in for the kickoffs in the second half. Right. I mean, I, I know I know that JK took the last two, but you know, he sat there and um 
he was still doing extra points and he was still doing kickoffs in the, um, he was still doing kickoffs in the third quarter and into the fourth quarter. And, uh, that just seemed a little unnecessary. Yeah, I, I agree. Especially with, you know, especially with, with the injury, uh, you know, JK seemed very, very pedestrian. He only averaged you know, 40 and a half yards. Um, but, I, but I think that was by design, you know, yeah, because yeah. they were trying to keep the ball away from Callaway and, and so I think he was doing what he was asked to do, and it was, yeah. But uh, it is, it is weird, man. That that looks like Alabama kickers of old for us. I haven't seen a punter have a better. I haven't seen an opponent have a better punt line than we have. I don't think all season. Oh yeah, that dude was. He had fifty four and a half yard yeah. average. And then and, and he's a good punter. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you have to be to do that. But I just, it's just funny. I've not seen that. <laughs> well, I will talk real quick about the special teams. Yes. Um, uh, there's other it, topics to hit well, here. Well, I found it interesting on 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 Gore's play. You know, Gore still had to make the play. Yes, but they had to see something in film. Yes, because you know they they had their two guys drop back there, um, kind of you know in the you know five yards off the ball, but they only had two guys on the right and they had three guys on the left, and they they clearly. You know, like Alabama chooses to have three guys on the left and three guys on the right and one guy back to to say, you know, to call the to call the snap. And Florida instead puts two back there and they 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 only have two on the right. Right. And so if you're so so then if you're going to do that and the outside guy takes the outside guy and left Gore all by himself, well then when Gore rushed in, and ironically, Dave, the thug who got kicked out of the game, and I should have given the ref a mini game ball at the beginning of the show for kicking his ass out of the game. Thank goodness, um, he's the one that he's the one that missed the block, right? That, that gave up the punt block, um, and so he was coached to you know to slide in, and the guy Gore went right by him, and right. he and he, I mean, how do you not see him coming? Like, how do you not like stick out your right elbow and like knock him out a little bit? Like, yeah, I don't know. Gore still had to make the play. But they had to see something in film. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you think Florida saw something on film when when they blocked our, uh, our, our I guess our PAT attempt, uh, or, or or did or we just lack it? Were we just lackadaisical on that play? I think we were lackadaisical, and I yeah. thought that was Kervin. Uh, to be to be fair, at, at first I was at first I was going to to lay the blame on Cotton because uh, Cotton was at left guard, but I yeah. thought. Kervin was at left tackle and Kervin had his guy head up over him who slanted in side of him and then just went behind cotton. Now, technically um, you're supposed to be blocking down there. Yep. So, you know, I, 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 if, if, if Kervin was the guy and I think it was 78, um, it looked to me like, you know, you just didn't follow through on that one. Yeah. I mean, you got to block inside out. And so, um, you know, like you said, if you block down, no one should get through, especially, you know, a PAT, right? But uh, at least we, at least we traded seven for two. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was trying to do the math in my head as he, as he was running down the field. I was like, we're netting out here. What's the, what's the, what's the differential? But, and I, and uh, I, will, yeah. I will say real quick, cause there is a lot of talk about on special teams that, you know, he's obviously misjudged some balls, et cetera. Um, I think against a very good kicker, uh, which we just spoke about, 
Uh, I think Diggs did a yeah. better job, and and I'm not talking about the I'm not talking about the return. I mean, I should give him a mini game ball because had he not returned the last punt as deep as he did, Saban would have been able to lay on the ball. But yeah. because it was first and ten, mm-hmm. like at the twenty, I sat there and turned to my wife and I was like, "We're gonna get fifty because he can't do it. There's no, like he can't right. shut it down. Like right. it's not masculine football if you like take a knee four times. Like you right. can't do that. Not right there." So, so thank goodness Diggs did what he did because thanks to him, we, we hung 50. No, I, I completely agree with you. And the last two weeks, uh, I've kind of called out, you know, Trayvon is looking uncomfortable back there. And he, he shed that skin on, on Saturday because he looked comfortable. Like you said, not just in the one, not just in the big return, but in, you know, he had, you know, he had three for, for 90. Right. And so, uh, you know, he had two others. And but he didn't let the ball hit the ground. He's getting he looked real smooth. Judging the ball, yes. He looked he looked real smooth in in sort of the play unfolding, and he hasn't looked that way before. That's the first time I've seen him, and so it's the kind of thing you know what do coaches see in practice? What well, they may have been seeing that in practice, you know, since midseason, but it's hard sometimes to get that on onto the field under the lights with the crowd, and that's a different type of being comfortable doing it. And it just seemed that maybe that that switch has flipped, and that's good because I've been concerned about that. Oh, absolutely! And you know, you know, Xavier Marks is saying, "Good job, Trayvon. Good job." Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> but but to your point, you know, we don't need Trayvon because of you know if you were sitting here with offenses that couldn't put points on the board and defenses who couldn't stop people, you'd have to put more on a kid like that. We don't really need him to do anything but fair catch the ball and not lose 20 yards on misjudging the ball. We don't need him to do anything fancy. And as long as he, you know, great Eddie Jackson was doing great things for us there, which was awesome, but it was just icing on the cake. It was like, it was that good cream cheese icing on top of the cake that you don't really need to eat. Well, we don't need our Darius Stewart back there. And so as no, long as no, 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 the no. ball correctly, you keep him from being back there. Yeah, you don't have to cut me the piece of cake that has the rose on it, right? Because because I don't right. need that extra icing. Just just like the regular slice is okay, and uh, and I've never said that, but for the analogy, uh, right? Um, we don't we don't need uh, our best. We don't need quote unquote our best player, you know, back there. And um, we just need someone who's who's competent and capable. And again, it goes to the the riches, you know, the vastness of riches that we can have one of everything and and two of most. And and so with with him back there, he we don't need him as an offensive weapon. Just go get comfortable at a punt returner. And he just seemed to show flashes of that on Saturday. And I'm excited about that because that's something we can build on. No, absolutely, man. Well, let's let's flip the page and and talk about you know. Washington Huskies. I mean, I guess I'm glad we're matching up against a Pac-10 team. I mean, hey, let me throw this at you before we go, Washington. What do you think about Cooper Bateman transferring? You know, I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't on that no, one. No, no, it's okay. I wasn't crazy about Barnett doing it when he did. Yeah, but it was early enough. And there was other people in place that it was like, you know, you're a young guy and, you know, I, I get this a little bit. Um, but, 
you know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, right? I mean, we don't know what kind of shots Cooper Bateman's been given, et cetera, and Cooper Bateman's got to make his own decisions. If you want to play the what's best for the team card that everybody played when Blake did it because they all persecuted his ass and sure. drove him over with a bus several times, um, now now David's your guy if something happens. And so yeah. if I'm Lane Kiffin, I'm not – I mean, dude, I don't think you can even run Jalen Hurts eight to ten times a game. If I'm defenses, I'm sorry. This is football. This is man football. If I'm defenses, I legally try to knock him out of the game if I'm Washington. I'm sorry. Straight up. I'm yeah. like, we're knocking you out of the game, and we are going to hit you at the last second we can, and we're going to put our face mask right under your chin, and we're going to at least knock the wind out of your ass and get you out of the game for a quarter or so. But I try to legally put him out of the game. I don't try to hurt him. Sure. I try to legally knock him out of the game like we did that Michigan State quarterback. Remember yeah. when we when we just when Courtney Upshaw just nailed his butt and he was seeing stars, dude. If I'm Washington, I try to make Jalen Hurts see stars because if that happens, the defense is gonna have to win the game for us, right? So, no, I, so, I it's a, so it's a it's a so that's a long winded answer to say is it selfish of Cooper Bateman? At this point, I don't think it needed to come out. What does it hurt now to wait a few weeks? The trick is. Where is he going to go, and when do that? When do their classes start? Um, I think I think that becomes you know part of the factor. Uh, if he wants to go somewhere, get into spring, spend spring practice with them, then what's the latest that he can enroll? And so can and so I I get that differently. So, so, so if that's the case, real quick, then that's the disadvantage for the two teams in the national championship game because only those two teams have to play the second week in January. Yes. Okay. Uh, and and I understand sort of the logistics on that. Um, with and actually, I understand the logistic logistics with Blake too. I mean, he's going to technically sit out a year uh, and then be able to go to another D one and 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 play and start for them before their conference season starts next year. And so he he is he has identified a loophole that the NCAA will be quick to close. But uh, I, I get his logic. That just feels like bailing on the team midseason a little more than what Bateman is doing. Um, and that may be splitting hairs a little bit, but I, I get it. And and it's he's doing it in a more conventional way, and maybe maybe that's what's maybe that's what I'm accepting. But I don't think you can put it out there though. I mean, if you want to talk about it behind the scenes with the coaches, I mean, you and I both know there's all kind of things that go on that no one ever finds out about. Well, I just was, don't understand why this had to get out at all. Well, it, because it was an. I mean, it it truly was announced. But uh, why? It has it has been. You know, the coaches came out and announced it on Monday. Uh, it's been something, and and it wasn't just announced. It was announced that he had been cleared to transfer. So it's a discussion that's been going on, you know, for a while. I just uh, don't know why it had to come out at all. I'm, I'm just saying, what does it do to help the program? Like right now, you're going to get a ring well, if, if they win a looking, national title, right? But if, he, you know if I mean? he's shopping his services, if he's shopping himself to schools, it's got to come out. He can't do that and it not be a known thing. Well, what do you think David Cornwell is thinking right now? 
I just hope, I don't know what he's thinking. I hope that, um, well, I guess I could hope a couple things. I, you know, he was dinged up in, in camp and that's why he kind of fell down, fell down the roster. I hope that he's healthy and I hope that, you know, you can talk about a backup quarterback being, you know, one play away, but when you're four <laughs> and then you're three, you're more than just one play away. And so now, now he might be two. I hope that he's been sort of given his best. And I have no reason to suggest that he hasn't been. I just, there's a little bit of human nature sometimes that, that, you know, he probably is thinking about transferring too, frankly. Right. I mean, yeah, two freshmen come in quarterbacks want to play. Uh, I, I figured it might be a mad rush, uh, you know, kind of at the end of the season, uh, it got a head start, but, uh, I just hope I hope that he's ready, if that makes sense. Yeah, but you know he's not. He hasn't been given any reps, and and we talked about this. We talked about this at the beginning of the season that Cooper Bateman should have been playing more. And so I understand you're trying to develop your quarterback and your freshman and getting playing time, etc. But you know, you and I both know that. This isn't the years of Gene Stallings 13 to 7. You do have a great defense. You yeah. do have an embarrassment riches. You are kicking the shit out of people. And you should have played Cooper Bateman more. I yeah. mean, you look at these stats on the year. The boys only completed 12 of 14 passes for 120 yards. I mean, really? That's all the opportunities you've given him in the games? Right. So I can understand why he's not happy. Sure. Um, I just think that right now, um, no, not to repeat what I said, but if I'm the if I'm Washington and the winner of Clemson, Ohio State, I'm thinking the only chance we beat Bama is to knock their quarterback out of the game. Right. That's all. No, that's I mean, I get it, right? What aside, aside from like getting after our quarterback in that way, uh, you know, and we can get back together and we can talk about this game in more detail. But what do you think about uh, you know, playing the Huskies. Any sort of initial thoughts? Dude, I'm not worried at all. Come on, man. They they lost to the USC Trojans 26 to 13 that we just waxed in Dallas, Texas. I'm sorry. Congratulations. You're 12 and 1 in a Pac-12 schedule. I mean, really? You played teams like Idaho Vandals and the Portland State Vikings. Ooh, I'm giving bulletin board material for the game. I mean, I'm sorry. It's it's Washington. I mean, I'm going to enjoy it. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. what a matchup. I mean, you know, this is great for us. Clemson and Ohio State get to knock off each other, and we only have to play one of you. If Ohio State would have dropped to four and we would have had to potentially go through Clemson and Ohio State, that would have made it tougher. But you know these other SEC teams are saying, what? You get to play Washington in the first round? Dude, that couldn't have set up any nicer for us. No, and I, you know, I mostly tend to agree with that. I really, really like their coach, Chris Peterson. I do think he's one of the, one of the really good coaches in college football. And I do think, you know, he had some magic drawn up uh, when he led that Boise State team over Oklahoma. And so I just think that, you know, everyone talks about saving, giving enough time and to to prepare for somebody. And I agree with that. But, you know, you could say something similar about Chris Peterson, that he he probably knows he's going to be a little bit outmatched. But, you know, the Wash the talent he has at Washington relative to Alabama compared to what he had at Boise versus Oklahoma, you know, the 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 separation there might be a little bit might be a little bit similar. 
and uh, I really like their quarterback. I think that uh, I think they may have some some tricks up their sleeve. Um, I just think our defense is is uh, you know tricks are for kids, <laughs> and I think the defense is going to come out and wood chip them. Well, this is a situation where you know we can talk about this more when we get back together. But if you did, you know, if you had a defense who was giving up forty points a game, mm -hmm. right? And if you didn't have all the talent on offense, I mean, OJ Howard could blow up against Washington Huskies, and they don't even know to look out for it because he's, you know, caught thirty balls for the season. They have so many weapons that Jalen Hurts can utilize, and then with the defense, you know, Washington's got to be thinking, well, why do we have to play you this year in the ten years of Saban? Why this year? Right. It's just a bad matchup for them. I mean, we we can we can win ugly. We can, you know, we can we can win in a blowout. We can win ugly, you know, you know, like like Gary Danielson was saying, which was which was so cool. I mean, this is you know why I enjoy Gary Danielson so much when I was, you know, watching the, the game on TV is you know, he talked about like this team is so unique from any other team. It's like, what do we need to do on this play? Oh, we yeah. need to be bruisers? Okay. What do we need to do on this play? Five wides, empty set? Okay, we can do it. I mean, I mean, yeah. they just the, the other teams can't do that crap. That's it. No, I I agree. I and I think look, and here's sort of the last thing. I'll I'll kind of wrap on this. I think that you know Washington has to travel to Atlanta. <clears throat> Washington is coming to Atlanta to celebrate being in the college football playoffs. Something that Washington would not have thought possible in August. Correct. Alabama goes to Atlanta to do work. Well, and let's face it, right? When we played Utah, you know, many years ago, it seems like a long time ago now, we didn't want to be in that game, right? right. But that wasn't a semifinal. That was just the Sugar Bowl. That was like Auburn playing Oklahoma this year, right? Yep. Well, these guys are focused, and, and they know what the task is at hand. And this is going to remind me of when we played Michigan State. This this kind of this game is going to be like that game. It's going to be ugly. We might knock their quarterback out of the game, and and they're just going to be brutalized. And they're going to be like, "Oh my gosh, does everybody in the SEC play like this?" I mean, this is this is going to be ugly. Yeah, I just I just think, and 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 it's a familiar venue. I mean, I I you know we open seasons there. We you know, last three years we've won the SEC playing there. Uh, I mean, there, there's a there's a reality that someone may look at it and say, "We've got to go play that team on that same field." And the, well, no, we got to go play the team on that same field that just beat the the SEC East representative. Because from the players' perspective, they're like, "Well, the SEC is the best conference, you know, long term," and they just went and played the SEC East opponent and they just hung fifty on them. Right. And their quarterback was eleven for twenty for one hundred and twenty yards. Yeah, and they hung fifty on them. Really? Yeah, they had a bad offensive day. You could <laughs> you could reason. So, dude, right. it, 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 yeah, this is going to be nice. We're going to enjoy talking about this one in a few weeks. No, we got to come back and do that. But uh, until then, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tie. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. 
check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Aye. Of course. Roll Tide.